0: Well, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Um, as soon as the plane hit the ground, those winds sweeping down the plains with all that grass that I'm allergic to. So, just pray for me to get through my voice tonight, and for and for tomorrow. But I would appreciate that. There is a, a sign. I don't remember if it's the same here in Oklahoma. Um, that we use up in ohio but it's that i am sufficiently freaked out to be here tonight so everybody want to try that with me you're freaked out okay to try that freaked out um i don't know is that the same is that the same here okay good um and i didn't realize that tonight my asl1 teacher from osu okc is over here tonight so raise your hand over there stand up so that was kind of shocking to see her here. So, um, with the blonde hair, it's hard for me to talk and sign at the same time. So they're going to do all the work. So um, recently they were talking about the cell phone thing, and uh, you would think in a deaf church we don't have to worry about that, but um, we do because some we do have some hearing people that come to our church, and it cracks me. You have. To, Okay, I get it from my mother, I'm sorry. Um, I, some the things that I think are funny. Um, so I'll be sitting in the back, because I'll be in the back where the keynote stuff is going on, because I'm kind of like the only one that can read my husband's mind and know what's coming next. And so, um, so I'll be back there. And um, the deaf people, their phone's going off. They're still just sitting there. They have no idea it's going off. And the other hearing people are like trying to find out whose phone that is. But the, probably the, the thing that makes me laugh the most is when we try to do group shots out in front of the church. <clears throat> and I don't know why, but every single time we have tried to take a group picture out in front of our church, people will drive by and honk. And so it's the funniest thing, because everybody's all out there standing with their smiles, and someone honks, and all the hearing people are like this, <laughs> and all the deaf people are they had no idea that someone just drove by honking, and every, sing- it, every single time it will happen, and so the hearing people in our church kind of get a, a laugh about that, but um, thank you for praying for my husband. It's, I have not seen him since September 27th, so uh, he is so ready to get home, and some of you don't know, my husband, he wears hearing aids. Without his hearing aids, he's completely deaf. And, um, but he's a very good lip reader, does sign language. So when he ended up having to, we found this out later, he was over there visiting with a a missionary. He was speaking for their deaf church and deaf camp. And, um, he had been in the emergency room for 27 hours. And we found out later from the missionary that after 28 hours, they could have kicked him out of the hospital there local and transferred him to a government hospital which was far away. And so the missionary who was there in the harvest uh, fought for him and got him into that hospital, and it was a very good hospital, a uh, great experience for him. Um, the only issue was but over there with the deaf. The deaf do not have a lot of rights like they do here in America. So he was not allowed. He was in the, hosp- in the ICU for a week and uh, from Sunday to Sunday, and he was not allowed to have an interpreter. And so everybody there was all masked up, protective suit, you know, alien movie-looking kind of stuff. And they would literally sit there at the edge of his bed with all of this. He had no idea what medicines they are putting in him, what needles they are putting in him. He couldn't read their lips. They would not, you know, get an interpreter. Uh, So it was a very harrowing experience for him. And I was telling some of the ladies that he woke up one day, and there was a note on the side of the bed from the nurse that said, would you please stop hollering at us? We're just here to help you. And so he said he was really embarrassed about that. So he wrote a note back and it said, I'm sorry, but when I don't have my hearing aids in... I don't know how loud I'm hollering. So just point to your mouth and point down, and I'll lower the volume. So, um, But that's what he had to deal with for a week. So I want to thank everybody who was praying. Uh, my daughter, it was her first experience flying all the way from Africa by herself. She thought it was pretty cool that she got to make a pit stop in France, but <laughs> got a few souvenirs. And that crazy girl, she, she got in on Thursday night. She went to school on Friday, played a hard volleyball game against a tough team, spiked the winning point, and then collapsed on the floor in exhaustion, and then slept all day Saturday. <laughs> so I don't think my husband's going to be doing that when he gets back, though. <laughs> so it's a little bit different age, age-wise. So. But it's a, it's a blessing to be here. Um, I, we do have some, I don't know where they ended up putting the prayer cards on the table up front. I've got a few here back there, if you wouldn't mind grabbing some of those. And then if you would like to kind of follow our ministry with what we're doing, <clears throat> you could go to the website, deafworldvision.com. And there's a place that you can sign up for the uh, email uh, newsletters that electronic ones we put out um, every two months. And <clears throat> I told someone, I said, I know this is very ladylike to drink out of an Ozark bottle, but that's all I can really do. Um, uh, I was telling someone, you know, as far as becoming a missionary and going on deputation and things like that, the hardest thing of being a missionary was to learn how to do the electronic prayer letter by MailChimp. I am not a techie, and my son can always, always be by my side to show me how to do it all. So that was very, very challenging for me to learn how to do that. But I wanted to thank Ms. Gaddis for giving me the opportunity to do this. And um, it was, you know, we visited here before, so it was kind of expected for her to call. But I wanted to get an idea of who all is here Okay, Um, how many of you are wives, if you would just raise your hand? Okay, wives. Okay, what about moms? Okay, uh, singles or singles in college? All right. Okay, uh, missionaries who are currently on deputation? Nobody? Wow. Okay, I guess they're doing their job, huh? Um, Missionaries who are on furlough? I guess they're still out there doing the job, okay? Uh, Church or college staff? Okay. All right, how many of you went to college or to church with me? Would you stand? Okay. I just want to know who I need to pay off before the end of, you know, this, before, you know. Okay, thank you. Be nice, y'all. Appreciate it. Um, How many of you would say that you are early birds? Got a few? Okay. How many of you are night owls? Okay, you are my kind of people. I love you. Just love you. Okay, that's I love you in sign language, in case you didn't know. Okay, uh, how many of you have ever burned yourself with a curling iron? Okay, then we are in good company. All right, that's great. Okay, yes, I have many a scar. Uh, some of you may know someone that mentions how many inches of scars they have all over their body. Um, yes, mine would mostly be from the curling iron. So, But the theme that she was talking about with the church theme that you all have is uh, into his harvest. So most of you are already familiar with that passage in uh, Matthew 9, 38. It says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that... He will send forth labors into his harvest. As I was doing this, I had a lot of time by myself at home since my husband and daughter, they had had been gone for so long. And a lot of late-night hours, and I'm just, you know, the night owl thing. Late-night hours, early-morning hours. And for some reason, I really, really struggled with this. And what I'm doing is not something that I'm necessarily comfortable with, but it's just... I don't know. It's a hodgepodge of different, various thoughts. Uh, being in the ministry, on the field, working with a harvest, and hopefully that these things can maybe can be a blessing to you. Um, but I struggle with it because you know, being a missionary and a church planner, and knowing your church, what more can you say about missions than's already been said? You know, it seems like probably everybody said everything under the sun about missions. And, you know, what more is there seemingly to to learn about. But um, tonight, I wanted to be talking about two different voices, which I thought was kind of funny that her theme was about voices and I work with the deaf. But you know, the deaf do have voices. Um, They may be different than ours. But your theme is voices from the harvest. And I love the picture because it envisions a time of gathering at the end of the harvest. And it's a time to remember the struggles in the process, and Miss Gaddis mentioned this earlier, but is also getting to enjoy the fruits of the labor. So when we're talking about missions, I want to consider, I want you to consider a couple of things. Um, the first one is, what are the voices of the harvest saying? And what are the voices of the laborers saying? And so I want to give you just a brief thing. I know Ms. Gaddis mentioned some of these things. Uh, how many of you have lived in Oklahoma your whole life? Okay, awesome people. Um, So our church in Ohio is somehow, for some reason, filled with several um, Texans, and then we just do that, you know. (laughs) Um, They know that I'm an OU Sooner fan, and they like to give me a hard time about it until we beat them in football, (laughs) and then it's my turn to have a lot of fun with it. So I even have an OU mask that one of the ladies bought for me, and some of the Texans, they have their Texas Longhorns masks, and, you know, they had different funds. I'm so glad to come back to freedom here because you can't go anywhere we are without having something on your face. So, um, but one reason why this is very difficult for me and for this kind of a subject is because I'm a very private person and I'm not overly like emotional. Um, So it's kind of hard for me to open up about some things. Um, I'm not typically a crier, necessarily. I mean, sometimes I will. It depends on the situation. Um, but Oklahoma is um, it's very special to me. And I lied. <laughs> I have so many memories here. And some great people that I see out here. And I look back and I'm just, isn't that just an awesome God that we can not see each other for years, but it's just like it was yesterday? And that's God that does that. But as you mentioned, I was born in Ponca City, Oklahoma, and so was my mother. Uh, uh, Anybody here from Ponca City, Oklahoma? Oh, hey, I got it couple people. Uh, I know Brother Sam. He gets teased a lot about Ponca City, up where he's at, his church. Uh, Brother Sam Waterloo. But my mom attends Central over there with Pastor Waterloo. But my parents met in high school there. And my first 10 years were spent in Enid. Um, I was a Garfield Greyhound at Garfield Elementary School in Enid. And I still remember the school song. Um, So while in Enid, a soul winner changed my parents' life and changed mine. And they invited him to church and would not get up, or would not give up. And I'm so glad to have my mom here tonight. But it was there, here in Oklahoma, I went to Oklahoma Baptist College. I found the will of God for my life. I met my husband. It's where my children, my three children, were born, and where we worked for 23 years in the deaf ministry. It's an awesome place, and I love it. It was also here where I like to say that the voice of the harvest whispered across my soul and intersected with my voice as a worker in the field 20 years later. And some of you may have already heard this story. But whenever I was a young girl, um, I met my first deaf person in Enid, Oklahoma. Um, I was just fascinated by the language. There was the girl in my class whose parents were deaf, and so I would go over to the class and borrow sign language books and learn a little bit. But when I was at the age of 10, my dad, he became a pastor. He planted a church in Trinidad, Colorado. We worked in Kansas City, Missouri, Pocatello, Idaho. Then I went to Pacific Coast, moved back to Oklahoma, where I ended up there at OBC. So when we were there working on staff at the church, um. We had a deaf revival one, one Sunday or a few days. And one of our ladies invited a friend of hers from out of town. It was a deaf lady. The deaf lady came forward that Saturday night, and she wanted to accept Christ as her Savior. So I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord. So she came again on Sunday, and we got to talking. And <clears throat> I asked her where she was from, and she said that she was from Enid, Oklahoma. I was like, well, really, so am I. And uh, is there anybody here from Enid, by the way? I didn't ask about that. Any Enid people in here? No. All right. Um, So she asked me how old I was, and I told her. And she said, well, I have a daughter your age. And I was just curious. I said, well, what's your daughter's name? And she said, her name is Wendy Evans. And I stopped for a minute, and I realized that that was the deaf mother of my classmate 20 years prior, who loaned me her sign language books when I was a kid, and she looked at me and she said, "So are you that little blonde girl that was always coming over to the house and borrowing the sign language books?" And I said, "Yes," and I thought that was such a phenomenal moment because it was like in this big world that we have that God would just do that, and not even in the same town and bring them together for that for that to happen. And so it was there with that intersection between the harvest and my work in the field years later that I was able to see that big picture. And sometimes when we're working in the ministry or we're working in the harvest, all we see is now, we see that moment, and we don't see that big picture. I mean, it was 20 years later for that to even occur. And that was a blessing to me. So my focus is not completely on the deaf because a lot of things are similar, but that is my harvest. That's, that's what I work with. And so <clears throat> working with the deaf, just a few cultural things, it's not necessarily an easy thing. It ha- you have to adjust to the language and culture. It's different. And by the way, sign language is not universal. It's different around the world. Um, matter of fact, my daughter was over there in, uh, with my husband in Africa, and um, she was saying, My name is, you know, spell her name. Well, then about three days later, she realized that our sign for name is their sign for toilet. <laughs> My toilet is B R O O K L Y N N. And she wondered why all the little laughing kids, kids would run off laughing at her. Um, another thing that's unique to our harvest, and these are just some different things about the culture, is that when you are talking about the deaf, especially the professional deaf, you're ready for a fight. Maybe you know this. Um, they do not like the term hearing impaired. It's offensive to them. The reason is because many of them feel that they are not broken. They are not impaired at all. So how can I be hearing impaired if I'm not broken? It's a, it's a, they are proud to be deaf. And many times if there's deaf and they have a child that's born deaf, they're excited about it. Oh, another one of us. That's an exciting thing. It's a a big cultural thing. Um, So they don't see it as an impairment. They prefer the terms deaf or hard of hearing. So a lot of times when we travel and see different churches, maybe on their website, they'll have, like, sometimes they'll have hearing impaired. I probably should have checked y'all's and see if you have that on there or not (laughs) before I said this. They prefer to deaf or hard of hearing, because hearing impaired, some will take offense of that. Maybe if some of you know Chris Harris, he's uh, the husband of Diana Parker from Windsor Hills. Uh, We went to a conference one time, and the deaf were over in a section, and on the sign it said hearing impaired. So he went, actually went looking for a marker, marked out that word, hearing impaired, and wrote deaf in capital letters, and he had this big satisfied look on his face. It's just a, it's a cultural thing. Okay, um, so we got a big kick out, you know, that one with Chris. Um, but he also hates the song, by the way. He ha- absolutely hates the song, I Am Deaf, Do You Care? We, we ruined him for life because when he was in college, he had to be the little deaf boy begging on the streets, and he just hated that. I don't want to be begging on the streets. So, but he'd made a good beggar on the street, i got to say. Um, but anyway, I, I guess he never got over it. But the ladies in the, our class, our Lady Sunday School class, is LOL, Ladies of Life Signs, and that's not original. I think I stole it from a church in Oklahoma that does that too. Um, but some people think that when they're working with, their, with the deaf, they have to dumb things down. But that's not the case. It's just a different language structure. It's like if you were taking, you know, obviously you wouldn't use these big, complex things if you're going to another country, you know, and trying to explain these things. It's difficult no matter where you go in any country. It's just that they happen to be here in America. So that's a little, you know, that's a little bit different. So um, I kind of became burdened with our ladies, and I wanted to start with the subject of missions. I wanted them to understand the concept of missions. Most of our church people I mean, we our church is a mix of everything, deaf, deaf-blind, hard of hearing, uh, deaf that don't sign, they have cochlear implants, it's like everything. We have some deaf as well. We've got a deaf husband, the rest of the wife is hearing, or just the opposite, it's just a mix. So we're in the class, and I'm talking about the word mission. I want to start from the beginning and explain it all. So the definition of the word had to do with carrying out a job for political, religious, or commercial purposes, especially involving travel. So that's kind of where we get the word missionary. So we start with the word mission. So I asked them this question because I knew what the answer was going to be. I asked them when it said part of the definition about commercial purposes. I asked them, what does that mean and how do you sign it? And so every single one of them signed it, commercial purposes. This is a sign for a commercial on TV. What did commercial purposes mean? Somebody, commercial purposes. What's that in reference to? Business. Business. Okay. So the right way to be signing it would be business purposes, not commercial purposes. And it's just a concept thing um, and the different meanings of words. And this wasn't even the right thing, but that's just how they would sign it because they see the word, oh, that must be what it means. So a lot of times they might be signing something, but not necessarily knowing what, what the point of it is. So um, I talked to them. I was like, have you ever seen commercial property for sale or commercial real estate for sale? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, that, and it's like a light bulb moment. And we have a sign for that too. You ready for it? going try this one with you. Everybody try that with me pull that chain down, that light bulb goes off, okay. So it was it was great to see that because they didn't know until somebody told them. And it just kind of stunned me because one of the other ladies, that she wanted to know the difference between missionary, uh, ministry, and minister. We've got three different signs for them. Well, we already explained about missionary, Okay, ministry is someone actively involved in church work and things like that. They'd seen the sign for it, but they didn't know what it meant. Okay, well, if you have the word minister, does minister always have the same meaning? No, because if it's a verb, what does that mean? If you're ministering, what does that mean? You're serving. So they'll use M's, the sign for serve, and they'll use M for minister or ministering. Okay, but if it's a noun, a minister. Is a preacher. It's a preacher, so words matter. The and so sometimes in our Sunday school classes, I mean, we're getting down to nitty gritty nouns and verbs. And some of you know Miss Van Mannen would be very proud of me. Uh, some of you know she who she is. Um, so language can be a really tricky thing, you know, when what we're doing that. And so, um, how many of you have like met or know my husband personally? Any of you? Okay. He um, he's hard of hearing. He mispronounces words at times, or comes up with some interesting new ones. Um, Instead of hillbillies, there are hickleberries. (laughs) Instead of apple polishers or brown nosers, they're apple nosers. (laughs) So he like mix things. And so one time we were at a conference, and someone complimented him, and he said, "Um, "You know, he's real serious." I'm just the low man on the tadpole. <laughs> I was like, totem pole. He goes, oh, wait, that's that like that Indian thing. Yeah. He goes, wait, those tadpoles are a little, yeah. He's like, yeah, that's pretty low. That's pretty low. <laughs> so, you know, um, the deaf are very blunt. And um, so my husband will always say, He'll get this real serious look on his face. If you want to work with the deaf, you've got to have the hide of a rhinoceros. <laughs> a rhinoceros. And we don't correct him, it's just, it's just his way of saying it. So, um, you know, it was 10 years of working with the deaf before the first deaf person ever invited us out to eat. 10 years. Yeah. You know where they took us? Some of you remember? Anybody remember Lucy's Pizza? Anybody remember that? It was on the southwest side of town. I cannot believe anybody. They closed down because I think of health regulations. But, but, hey, they took us out to eat. We were pretty impressed. Um, But there's a verse in the Bible that we use for our ministry, uh, Psalm 19.3. It says, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The deaf do have a voice. They've got a culture, and they've got a language that can be found in every single country, not just here in America. Uh, We get phone calls all the time from missionaries. What do we do with these deaf people? We don't know anything, you know, and we're a little limited because we're not on that field. We don't know all the, you know, what's going on there. So um, what are the voices of the harvest around the world saying? and I'm sure they're similar to what we're hearing, the voices of the harvest around the world are saying, where have you been? That's very convicting, that story she told about Amy Carmichael. Where have you been? What's taking you so long? Couldn't you have gotten here sooner? Are you willing to become one of us? If you can't come, will you pray that God would send someone to lead us out of this darkness? Will you keep the lights on where you are so someone can bring the light over here? So my husband and I, we've been working in the deaf ministry for many years, and we absolutely loved what we were doing, teaching the deaf, teaching the hearing to start deaf ministries. Um, now there's like deaf ministries on five different continents around the world from those people, and it's wonderful to be able to see that. But Here's the point. We were comfortable and what we were doing, we were comfortable. But then the voice of the harvest began speaking to my husband. And honestly, I didn't like what the harvest was telling him. I mean, I'm just being very truthful. He believed that the deaf needed their own place where they could grow in their own church, where they could be trained to take on responsibilities as leaders in the church in their own language and consider full-time ministry for their lives. He wanted to start a deaf church. And I did the dutiful Proverbs 31 thing. I was like, "Oh, that's great. It's wonderful." And <laughs> started deaf church. But I was the one who was deaf to the harvest on the inside. Cuz honestly, I was secretly angry. I didn't want to do it. I was fine in our comfortableness. I mean, we were doing the will of God. We were doing good, training missionaries. And um, I was like, are you crazy? I mean, I didn't tell him these things, but I was like, are you crazy? Do you you know how much work that's going to take? And then I realized that we would have to go on deputation. And we'd have to sell our house, say goodbye to friends, uproot our children. It's like, do you know how many wacko stories I've heard from missionaries who are going to, and we're going to do that, deputation? And um, so that's what we did, and it was the best decision we ever made. Truth, best decision we ever made. Um, I would never trade our time on the road on deputation for anything. I say ninety-nine point nine percent of our experiences are positive. Only had a few awkward moments, one spooky story. Um, but we were able to meet many wonderful pastors and church people who'd become our prayer warriors and strongest supporters because of that experience. Um, I'll tell you one story just because of time. I want to make sure I get, get through all this. But we got gotten a phone call from a pastor that wanted us to come to their church, present our ministry. His pastor was very serious, very, and you could even tell over the phone. And so they are like, okay, you've got to be on your best everything, you know. Have the talk with the kids before you go in. <laughs> Don't be fighting with your brother, you know. So, um, so we're going to meet them at this restaurant, fancy restaurant, it's an Italian restaurant. We go sit in, it's <clears> a <throat> table, and um, we sit down. Pastor's wife, just a serious. So we all sit down. He comes in. Well, their son showed up a little bit late. So my husband's over here. He stands up to shake the hand of the son that come in. Well, there's this tall glass of water. Okay. I added that in there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So when he reaches over, knocks it over, and the tablecloth was that starchy stuff that it just beads and gets bigger and bigger. And when you try to clean it up, it gets even bigger and bigger. And it's like gravitating towards the pastor's wife. And so we're trying to grab all the ice and everything before it lands in her lap. And so my girls are over here like, okay, dad, all right, this is embarrassing. Okay, so then or we get it all cleaned up. We go to sit down. And I heard this noise and I look over there and I look down Well, my husband didn't realize that when he had stood up, his chair had accidentally fallen down behind him, and he was sitting between the chair legs, like this. The table was a little high, and so his nose was like this, and the pastor stood up over there, and he's just looking up at him. And that very serious pastor just looks at him and says, Bless your heart. He was so embarrassed and we we were so we we wanted to laugh so hard me and my girls but we did it okay we were good he gets up gets the chair sits down everything's all good until it's time to leave then he has to admit something that on the way down this chair leg grabbed a hold of his pocket and ripped a hole in his pants all the way down past his knees (laughs) completely wide open so he's having to walk out of the restaurant like, <laughs> it's like this, holding his pants together. Well, they use these certain bicycles that they really liked, and they wanted my husband to ride one. He's like, Well, make sure I'm riding this way, because the ladies are over here. And he's so he's trying to figure out how to get on this bike without his pants coming open. We left, he's like dying. We have a sign for that, it's like this. Your head's just <laughs> this, okay? And so No sooner did we get in the car. Me and my girls busted up laughing, and we were crying. It was so bad. So anyway, it went downhill from there. So we got to the place, and in our prayer letters, we put about different things that happened, Crabtree classics, just dumb stuff, or the Tadpole story or whatever. And um, so we wrote out the story of what had happened that day. He'd gotten his first ticket on deputation. It was just a bad all-around day, ending with ripped pants. So... We wrote up the story, and someone contacted us about a month later, and they said, you know, we heard somebody reading that story on the radio. And they said, we need to pray for these people. (laughs) I'm like, yes, you do. Okay? So... We got done. We're done with all the deputations. So April 29th, 2018, Life Signs Deaf Baptist Church was born in Columbus, Ohio, had 103 on opening day with three baptisms. Has it all been rosy? No. Did our children cry because they were homesick? Yes. Um, To this day, I remember walking into my daughter Jesselyn's room because I heard some sniffling going on. We had just moved to Ohio. She was in there sobbing, and I still see it. And she's like, Mom... I just want to go home. I just want to go home. But I left the room crying too, because I felt the exact same way. I did. But was it the best decision we ever made? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Jesslyn, wears OSU Buckeyes hats, Made in Ohio t-shirts. And I told her she was not Made in Ohio, but she said, do you see any Made in Oklahoma t-shirts floating around here? <laughs> no. So we love our people. Our children love our people. Our girls are involved with the technical part, the nursery, teaching Sunday school, interpreting for the deafblind. Our son makes us look good with his graphic design and sign-making skills. And our children have grown because of the work. They've grown and now consider it home. Um, we, We had a testimony sharing time while my husband was gone. Uh, still is. <laughs> um, but the deaf were sharing some of their testimonies, and that's a new experience for them. And so one man named Paul, he got up there, and he shared how my daughter had gone into the convenience store where he and his friend were having lunch for a break, and she had handed him a track, and she came to church because of that. And, I, and Brooklyn wasn't there that night, and so I gave her that message. And she texted back. She said, I love them. I don't think you and Dad realize how much I love this church and the people in it. Yeah, so my 17-year-old daughter saying that. And it's so special to her that he's there. Him and his friend both started coming. So what are some of the things that we've heard from the people in our harvest? Carrie, a young girl, she says, I knew, and I'm going to quickly kind of go through, she says, I knew there was someone out there, but I didn't know his name. I didn't know it was God until I came to your church. This is an America. David, my wife died last year. My wife was a believer, but I never understood what that meant. Can you please tell me how to find peace? Roger, Catholic deaf man, he came to our church for a year, a year, before he accepted Christ. He said, went to the Catholic church with no interpreter. He said, I would kneel when everyone else did and stood when everyone else did and did communion, but I never understood why. So after one year of coming faithfully, both he and his wife accepted Christ. Betty, please pray for my husband, Jim, who's unsaved and dying of cancer. Mindy, a deaf lady who had a bad experience growing up as a preacher's kid. And on her first Sunday, three and a half years ago, she walked up to my husband and said, to his face, I don't trust preachers. (laughs) Okay. And um, after six months of coming, she came up to my husband and said, I trust you. You know, and she's what I call my right hand man. Um, And she asked prayer for her lost husband and son because she didn't make wise decisions because of her bad experiences. Another Carrie, please pray for my wayward daughter. Uh, Nick, please pray. I lost my job during COVID and we're struggling financially. Trent, I'm so filled with anger against my father, I need help. Well, he just received Christ recently and was baptized, and everyone's noticed a huge change in his attitude. These are the voices from our harvest. These are our people. But what else are the voices saying? They're saying, thank you, you, for sending someone in your place who could help make a difference in our lives. Thank you for praying for us and our church family. They're saying, please pray for us as we consider the will of God for our lives. Thank you for allowing the Life Signs Deaf Baptist Church to exist. None of it was there three and a half years ago. Nothing. We would never have met or have been saved if you hadn't given and prayed you made the difference. And if you had ever been a part of that church planning conference, you made a difference. Says, so "Did you notice though that some of the very things that they're saying or asking for are the very things that come from your own lips? Praying for a lost husband, a lost job, a wayward child, the will of God. The looking at the harvest is like looking at our own selves in the mirror. The harvest is human." It's full of sinners. The harvest has concerns for their families. The harvest is thankful. While there are some cultural differences, the harvest is not much different than we are. We're the same. These aren't some strange, odd people somewhere halfway across the world. They're the same as us. They might have a little different look, a different culture, but they're the same. So what are the voices of the laborers saying? They're saying, please pray for our people. Please pray for the finances of the ministry especially with all this COVID stuff going on. You know, people aren't meeting in churches. It's been kind of difficult for people. Please pray that we'll continue to be strong and have discernment to make wise decisions. Please pray that our faith and the faith of our people will remain firm. And most importantly, please remember that we are human, just like you. I am one of the laborers, and, that, and that's what my voice is saying. We're just like you. So it's, it's not always easy to surrender to the will of God, as I mentioned. When it was time for us to leave Oklahoma, it was like God, it's like here I was, and God was doing this. It's okay, one finger at a time, okay. It's, that's how I felt. And I recall my best friend's husband, Pastor Sven Larson, sitting in the car with my husband, who was in tears as he was getting ready to pull out of the driveway, to head to the church to resign his position and when we left after 23 years we grieved as if our whole history had suddenly been erased and we were longing for home and that's no different these missionaries that go halfway around the world they're no different than us But looking back, though, God was just putting all the pieces together. So I'm going to kind of condense this part of it. Our church, everything was doing great. We're growing. Our church is in a very upscale part of of towns, very very nice property of five acres. We started renting it. And um, on July 11th of 2020, in the middle of COVID, we got a letter from the landlord saying we either had, either had to move out or to buy the property. We're only three and a half years old. There's no way we're going to buy property. <coughs> the church had been given to them, and um, I won't go through all of that, but while my husband was going through this, of this building situation, I had never seen him like this, um, Our people prayed, we walked the property like the children of Israel. And my husband was out there just walking. I mean, he literally walked so much. He had sores on his feet. He would drop to the middle of the field praying. And the neighbors later would tell us, they wonder what in the world's going on at that deaf church. See all those people walking around the property. They thought we were getting exercise because of COVID. They said, we need to do that too. That's probably a good idea. So, Berdina, Roger's wife, came up to him, my husband, and said, does God really hear our prayers? Does he? And my husband told God, he said, if for this one reason only, could you answer this prayer for us to get this building to strengthen the faith of Berdina and our people so they could see that you're real and that you hear our prayers. And this is the part I kind of wanted to emphasize here. Thank you. It's allergies. <laughs> um, I was doing OK. You know, it was a little harder for my husband at the time. Um, but they put the the, the the property on the market for such an astronomical number that even businesses couldn't buy it. It was crazy because very um, good property area. So I was doing OK until this one call that just hit me the wrong way. We were calling people who had businesses that maybe they were familiar with foundations that could help, you know, just seeing what we could find out there. So I was interpreting the call from my husband to a Christian businessman that we knew. And this is what he said. I don't pull any punches, and I'm going to tell you straight out, no one, no one is going to help you during covid and that's a fact, and you wouldn't believe it, but I'm not typically a crier, but I broke into tears that wouldn't stop for about a month, I don't know what it was that did that to me, just that one call of just like, I started having problems physically, and with things with stress, couldn't sleep, and I couldn't even be there for my husband, because it was so overwhelming to me, in that situation. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced situations like that where it's just so just overwhelming in the moment. So the voices of the laborers are saying, are you there? Can you hear me? We need you in our hour of need and doubt when we're going through our red sea moments. They're saying, will you pray for our children that they'll be sensitive to the will of God in their lives? Will you pray that we remember that we're not alone when we feel isolated? We pray for our marriages to stay strong when the devil frights so hard against us? We pray that we continue to stay in love with each other when we're swamped with the work? Do any of those questions sound familiar to you? It's because we're the same. Everyday life decisions, we're the same. The harvest labors all of us. So God came through. Someone that knew my husband when he was a teenager called him up said, I'm going to help you in negotiations. He got it down to a number, and we're like, hey, that's great, but we still can't afford that number. And he said, well, let's buy a church. He offered us a no-interest loan and said we could pay him back in five years and possible renegotiation. Currently, well, our first goal in March is to have 37% of the mortgage paid off by then, and we're on the right track because of just people helping, helping us. So Berdina now knows that God does hear and answer prayers. So these laborers, they're asking, are you influencing people or have you been influenced personally? So, um, I remember in a time, you know, in our, uh, ministry, we had to go to a field conference and I'm going to wrap this up here, uh, We were busy, and we're like, we don't have time to go to a field conference. We don't need a field conference. And smartly, the director told us, he said, you know what? Um, He said, um, maybe there's somebody there that needs you. And so we were like, oh, he's right. And we went, and it was a blessing. You know, sometimes it's not about us getting it it's about being a blessing to somebody else. So a lot of times when we get older, how many of you worked like the same study school class for over 20 years? Anybody here? Okay, I got a few. How about 15 years? Okay, all right. Um, Sometimes you're like, 20 years, I'm done. I'm done. But what happens if you quit and that 21st year is the young person that becomes the greatest missionary this world's ever seen? Are you influencing the next generation? Or have you been influenced? Um, I know whenever I had different teachers at Pacific Coast that were influenced, and some of you are familiar with, Dr. Haru was an influence to me in missions. He would put his glasses down like John Rice when he'd teach his class. Um, the houses, we were in the same church together in California. Um, Brother uh, Yeager, he was my Baptist history teacher. You look at some of my notes, I'm like this, and then I go. <laughs> but Some of your notes are the same. Um And then Coach and Sue Thomas. I still remember the day when I walked into y'all's church. And I went down to the front. I was shaking hands with people. I shook the hands of this one woman that was just kind of looking away. And her hand was a little limp. And I shook it. And we left. And later I realized, that was Miss Thomas. If I had seen her blue eyes, I would have known it was her. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I was there the year that she had her car accident. So I knew her before. so, uh, all, all this to say, the things that you go through, the places you've been, um, you know, my time working in the ministry there at Windsor Hills, saw a lot of these wonderful people that I'm seeing and familiar faces, you know, there are people who invested in my life. They invested their time, sacrificed their time with their family for me. So, it's like, how can I quit? and disappoint those who've impacted me. How can I not consider become a laborer when I've been given so much? So what's the last thing the voices of the laborers are saying? It's one word, and you saw it. I'm going to teach you how to do it in sign language. Everybody ready for it? OK, go like this. Help. 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 We need help. Um, our girls are the Sunday school teachers. They're the tech people. Um, our sound guy is completely deaf. Some of you know him, Justin Waters. He's our sound man. So he, he's over here with the knobs, and my daughter's over here with the headphones going. You know, that's our sound system. We don't have a song leader. We don't have a youth director, a college career director, nursery coordinator. Uh, thankfully, we've got tech, vi- tech guys. If they quit falling through the ceiling and landing in the baptistry, we'd be good with that. Um, We need more interpreters for the deaf-blind. We don't have enough. It's a problem. But every single mission field is crying out for help, more laborers. We need you. The harvest needs you. God needs you. Just ask the question, does God want me there? Does God want me on the mission field? Just ask the question. If he does, don't hold back. Let him fill in the pieces. He will. So you'll never regret it. If he doesn't call you, then remember us. Remember those people that you saw the testimonies of tonight, the people that you know. Stay faithful to God in your church family. Pray for us, our family, our people, and remember that the harvest and laborers were just like you. Uh, Tomorrow morning I'm going to finish with the subject, the harvest that's become deaf because the laborers have been silenced. And I'll be finishing that with tomorrow. So please don't become deaf to the voices of the harvest and the laborers here and around the world. Thank you. Oh. Uh, one more thing. I'm sorry. You have to know my mother. Okay? So we're sitting on our back porch and some of you know my husband will appreciate this. He said and we we live out in the country. He says, "Wow. Those are some big concubines out there in that field." <laughs> it's like I think you mean combine. So you could blame my mother for that one.